I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the Hello friends and welcome back to the Sacktown Royalty Show. I'm your host Tony Zipteris and I have Bryant West on the line with me tonight. It is June 21st. We're recording on the night of the draft. The Kings have selected Marvin Bagley second overall. They uh, selected Gary Trent with their second round pick and traded him to the Portland Trailblazers for two future second round picks. So basically it's all Marvin Bagley tonight. Bryant, how are you? Well, I'm doing all right because uh, no matter what my opinion about Marvin Bagley is, my job is not contingent on him being a superstar. So I can get through the night knowing that. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because we all kind of knew that Marvin Bagley was the guy, and maybe no is not the right word, but like everyone told us this was coming for the most part. A lot of yeah. your NBA draft insider expert guys were all over uh, Bagley. To Gavoni's credit, like we gave Jonathan Gavoni a hard time, but he had Bagley from like right after the lottery. I don't know if he was just guessing or if he actually had some real inside information, but he was on Bagley the whole time. So we should have expected them to take Bagley over Luka Doncic at this point. But even still, the reality setting in, and, and especially like right when we started hearing that report come out a few hours before the draft, it's, uh, it's a tough one. Well, I think everybody knows that uh, there was a very large contingent of Luka fans within Sackdown Royalty both of us included. Um, I had him number one on my big board. He's been that since November. I think he is a an absolutely amazing talent. But the only thing that matters is uh, Sacramento didn't agree. They think uh, Marvin Bagley's a better player. And while I disagree with that idea, it's absolutely not in question that Marvin Bagley could be better than Luka Doncic. It's within the realm of possibilities. Um he there's certainly reasons to be excited about him he's got multiple ways of becoming an efficient offensive player as long as that jump shot improves and he can really take guys off the dribble he's you know as hard a worker as you'll find in this class and it's really fun to watch a guy like him who just attacks the ball at all times Uh, and he's going to fit with this young energetic roster that's just begging for Dave Yaker to kick up the pace they're going to be an absolute terror in transition, and it's going to be really nice to have a big guy that you know is going to be battling night in, night out. That's something Sacramento didn't have. And in a couple of years, we might be thankful that you know Sacramento took one of the uh, elite big guy youngsters in this class of elite young big guys. Because um, I really do think in a couple of years, this big man class has the chance to be affecting how we consider modern NBA big men. They're all versatile and multi-talented, and, and, and so many teams got really solid big men going forward tonight. And Sacramento might have been one of them. Marvin Bagley could be a really key piece for this franchise moving on. But it's just hard to 
feel as confident about Marvin Bagley as I would have been in Luka Doncic because I think Marvin Bagley has a much harder road to be optimized efficiently in the NBA by a winning team. And that's my only concern going forward. As long as he works at it and as long as the Kings have a really smart plan on how they're going to be addressing his strengths and weaknesses, I think he can be uh, a, a solid piece moving forward. Uh, remind me where you had Bagley on your big board heading into the draft. I I had him fifth. Uh, I had him behind Luca, Aiton, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Michael Porter Jr. Um, I, I understand why Sacramento took him over Jaron Jackson Jr. because Marvin Bagley looks the part more of an alpha scorer, and I think it's certainly you know, a larger number of his outcomes that he becomes you know that 1A, 1B kind of score than Jaron Jackson Jr., but it, the defensive concerns are what holds Marvin Bagley back. And it's it's nothing motivational. The guy plays almost as hard on defense as he does on offense. I've said it since the beginning. His issues aren't, te- aren't motivational. They're technical. And so as long as the Kings are ready to make him play defense and either he or Harry Giles become a middling rim protector, I mean, there's an outcome where that lineup becomes a, a real – mover and shaker in the modern NBA. I just don't know that that outcome is quite as high as I think uh, Luka Doncic has a chance to become a, a you know a real star, an all-star. Yeah, I was actually, um, I was higher on Bagley than you were because I would have taken, I would have taken Bagley if the Kings weren't taking Doncic. Like he was my second, my second guy, uh, assuming Aiton was gone, of course. But mm-hmm. this, this whole thing with uh, the Bagley versus Doncic stuff, to me it was never about Bagley versus Doncic like just player for player you could put any two players against each other it's just when a team like the kings with their track record goes you know outside of overwhelming consensus i I said something similar on twitter not just between like draft insiders because they can be wrong but most teams would have taken Doncic second you saw how quickly dallas jumped to three to grab to grab him when they found out he would be there so and anytime the kings you know they haven't earned that trust from the fan base or from the media to not poke fun at them when they go, again, against overwhelming consensus and pick their guy. Now, I guess I can say I'm glad the Kings didn't let that consensus get to them in, in some ways because yeah. you don't want the front office just falling into public pressure. Yeah, that's, you don't want another George Carl situation. Or, you know, Jamal Crawford. That's a little bit of a throwback <laughs> there. And I don't want to be too negative towards Bagley because I think we both like him as a player. I like him more, but we both like him as a player. If there's any silver lining for people that are so upset and disappointed with this pick, it's that this is is the last move for Vlade in this front office and probably even Dave (laughs) Yeager. Like, if they get this one wrong, it's really, really, really hard to see them making it past this. If Doncic is a superstar, if Bagley's a bust, or even if Doncic is better and Bagley's just okay— this was Vlade in this front office's last move. At least, you know, I think we can say that. That's a fair fair assessment, I think, right? I absolutely think it is. And you know what? Like you said, credit to them. If this is their guy, this is a hell of a move to go all in on. Because there's plenty of reason to be optimistic about Marvin Bagley. If this is, I mean, they went all in. If this doesn't work, Vlade Divac isn't the GM in a year and a half. Dave Yeager isn't the coach. And somebody else is coming in. They had to know that the number two pick, Sacramento hasn't had the top three pick in the entirety of their God decade-long rebuilding. This was the best chance they had to move the franchise forward. If this doesn't work, 
they're all fired and this team is set three, four years back in their rebuilding process. Um, so credit to them for sticking with their gut. Um, if, if you had to tell me, hey, the Kings can either take the guy they want or they can cave to pressure to take who you want them to take, I'd rather they stick with their guns because if, if, if Vladi Divac was going to have his mind changed by us people ranting on Twitter, then he should be the GM anyway. Right, exactly. If you want to have some insight into what the Kings were thinking, and this may make you feel worse about the pick because it made me feel worse about the pick, but Carmichael Dave on Twitter posted a, a lengthy string of tweets from someone he talked to. Um, wasn't even necessarily an anonymous source because he said it was a team source. So this is the message from the organization, you know, why they decided to take Bagley, what they envisioned this team looking like in the future. And it sounds like what the Kings want here. And we saw this from Jonathan Gavoni also, if you read his blurbs in his mock drafts leading up to the draft, where he reported that the Kings were kind of disappointed with their front court. Gavoni was saying this in his mock drafts. At one point, he said they're, he's, they're, the Kings are disappointed with the development of their young front court, which would be Scalabasi and Willie Colley Stein. And then in a, in a later mock draft, he specifically named Willie Colley Stein as a guy that the Kings are disappointed in. So it seems like the Kings are moving forward with the hope that Harry Giles and Marvin Bagley are the front court of the future. Brian, can you remind everybody kind of who J- Harry Giles is as a player? Because we haven't seen him in over a year, and when we did see him in college, he didn't play a ton. You know what? I don't think anybody but the people who get to watch him in practice really know what he is at this point. Right. Because he was just such a, a shell of the highlight reel he was in high school, in college. Um, and And the player that he is now, if he is playing with the confidence and competence and explosiveness that the Kings seem to be, you know, hinting at, then he is a, he, he's a fantastic pick for the Kings at 20. And that should give the fans optimism going forward. But you can't bank on Harry Giles until Harry Giles shows what Harry Giles is. And the complicating factor is if he and Marvin Bagley aren't a great fit. And I think that starts with one of them figuring out how to be an above average shooter. Um, there's certainly hope that Harry Giles can be that. Um, we've been getting hints that uh, maybe his shots getting better. Although, uh, you know, you also hear that it's kind of a weird form. So who knows until that produces and Marvin Bagley has plenty of reason for optimism in his shot. Uh, shot 36% from three uh, in Duke's season, although it was only on 50 attempts, and I think he finished with a 62.7% free throw rating, so percentage. Uh, so that's kind of worrying going forward because one of those two absolutely needs to be an above-average shooter or this king spacing is really going to struggle. I was thinking about Giles today, shortly after it was kind of announced that Bagley would be the guy and this is the direction they're going. And I couldn't think of another example of a player like him who was a healthy scratch for an entire season, if you believe what the Kings were saying all year. According to the Kings, uh, Harry Giles was healthy. They just wanted to sit him and make sure he was, I don't know, extra strong in, in the legs. But it makes you wonder, like, I kind of set you up in that question because I knew you wouldn't really be able to say exactly what Harry Giles is because we didn't <laughs> see him. But the point is, like, players get so much better from offseason to offseason. And we're looking at a guy in Harry Giles who has had 
a year and a half to just work on his game. He, Like I said, he was a healthy scratch, so it's not like he was spending that time recovering. It's not a Ben Simmons situation where he had a broken foot and took a year off. This is Harry Giles taking an entire year off with an entire year's worth of time in NBA training and you know traveling with the team and working with the front office and coaching staff uh, every single day. It's no telling what kind of player he is, and the staff is certainly high on him. If you listen to guys like you know James Hamm and other insiders, they say that what they the what little they've seen in practice, he looks good, but also just how much the staff raves about him. And I, I understand how you can't bank too much on Harry Giles, but there is reason to be at least intrigued with a player like that with that skill set who just had an entire year and a half to just work on his game. As a healthy player, just work. Yeah, like I said, there is an outcome where the speed, athleticism, uh, and hopefully switchability on defense. Uh, Bagley's got a ways bef- to go before he gets there, and you know who knows what Harry Giles is as a defender right now, but the potential is certainly there for the Kings to have two very athletic, exciting young big guys. And the only complicating factor is if you trust the coaching staff in the front office to figure out how to harness those talents into a real revolutionary, you know, kind of modern fast basketball. And because that's what Dave Yeager wants to play. He wants the teams to be moved. He claims he wants the teams to be moving faster. So if they can figure out a way to get those two players fully optimized, there's certainly a a gigantic uh, potential for that pairing. I just, I'm worried that it's going to be harder to optimize those two talents than I think the Kings front office is expecting. I've always been uh, a little bit higher on Dave Yeager than I know a lot of our staff and a lot of just people in general out there who are disappointed with the offense the Kings ran last year. But this is like, it's so right in his face that this team needs to push and run, especially with the addition of uh, Bagley here. If he can't get this team to play faster, I don't know what he's doing here. We talked we talk about it all the time. But the Kings had the slowest pace last season, and the pace number is funky. It, it's not just speed; it's also you know it's literally shots per hundred possessions. So it's like if the Kings take a lot of shot clock, that will also make their pace look slower. It doesn't necessarily mean they're playing yeah. slower. This team will probably pay, play faster now that they do have a year under Dave Yeager. The question is is how fast that really will be. Is it a ten jump into the early twenties? Or is it higher than that? Because it, it, Dave Yeager talks big game, and this is his year to prove it. He's had these guys for two, three years now. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox needs to show that jump. This is the time to show that that pace really actually exists, and it's not just a talking point. How much do you think a guy like Marvin Bagley moves the needle in year one? I was listening to um, a ton of podcasts all week, or all month really, about the draft and all that stuff. And people were speculating about how many wins a guy like Luka Doncic was, would add. I forget who said it, but someone said like some absurd number like Luka Doncic would add 12 wins to one of these lottery teams. I don't think it's that, oh, be that extreme in year no. one. But for a guy like Marvin Bagley, leading up to the draft, there was all the talk like he always very NBA ready. And I know we've debated back and forth about that fact too. Mm. But for a guy like Marvin Bagley, year one, is this like a huge impact guy in the first year? Or is he like, I don't know, De'Aaron Fox... Is that a comparable impact where I would say Fox wasn't a huge impact last year? I mean, he was kind of like replacement level in a, in a rookie year, which is not bad for a rookie, but De'Aaron Fox wasn't some yeah. like amazing player in year one. No, we we came out of class pretty optimistic about De'Aaron Fox. Um, I expect Marvin Beckley probably has a slightly bigger impact only because if the Kings know that the biggest weakness they have in their big guys 
was beyond having a rim protector and one of the guys actually being a shooter. The biggest weakness was having a young guy that actually wanted to rebound. And I don't know that that skill is going to immediately translate from Marvin Dagley, but that is an area that he is going to work his butt off and compete against pretty much anybody he can. Now, the worrying factor there is, I mean, for how athletic he is, and he is elite by NBA standards. His second jump is going to be pretty much 90% of the league. So he's going to be getting up there for a lot of balls. The problem is going to be he's just not strong enough. And is he going to be able to immediately embrace the physical nature of suddenly going up against 6'11", guys who are you know near as athletic as he is on most nights? That's going to be an adjustment. Big guys take two, three years before they really show what they are. So I don't think, Harry, I don't think that Marvin Bagley is going to come in and be a plus eight wins guy. But one thing he is going to do is he's going to provide something that Willie Cauley Stein and Scalabissier can't on about half of the nights they play, and that's 100% consistent effort. You're not going to have to worry about that with Marvin Bagley. And if you know you get a little efficiency bump from just having a, a young big guy that you know really cares at, a, at an amazingly high, I'm going after this ball on every chance I can level, that's going to help your team. Um, I don't know that the Kings are going to make as big a jump as I was expecting they would if they got Luka, but I'm not going to say that the Kings are going to be worse than they were this year or, or even close. I think they'll definitely be... Uh, 35, 38 wins, maybe. Yeah, we'll see what they do in free agency to kind of round out the roster. Yeah. But, I mean, Bagley, yeah. this may be a little bit optimistic, but Bagley's going to come in year one, and whether these skills translate to the NBA, like, he's already much better at a lot of things than any of the bigs on this roster. And that's not as much credit to Bagley as it is, like, the front court was real bad last year, and he's going to be the best rebounder, like you said probably the best finisher, probably the most polished post player if we're kind of taking Zebo out of the equation because Zebo shouldn't be playing at all next year, but I'm sure Jaeger will play him some. Um, he's not, he, Bagley doesn't have the best handle in the world, but do you trust any of the other front court guys to take anyone off the dribble better than him? Because I, I don't. He probably has the best handle out of the group too. But my issues with Bagley coming into the draft, outside of the defensive problems everyone's talked about all month, but he's just not much of a yeah. team player, period. Uh, way more turnovers to assists. And he's kind of like, I don't know, people have been calling him the empty stat guy. I don't think that's totally fair. But he's certainly no. a guy who I has, don't think that's fair. Has, a, has a history of sort of playing for his, I don't want to say himself, but, you know, it's it's not much of a defender. I'm going to get my points. I'm going to get my rebounds. That might be a little reductive yeah. to say, but... <laughs> I, I don't know that I agree with that level of pessimism in his game. He wa- he came into Duke as the clear, you are going to be the alpha scorer. That was the role that Coach K pretty much gave him from the beginning. And Duke could always have used another playmaker. And were there times where you know he got a little tunnel vision when he was in the post and rebounding and probably would have been better for him to pass out or something? Absolutely. Uh, but he really did have some nice passes. And if there's one thing that Dave Yeager has been able to do, it's turn middling passers into solid passers. And I really think one of these days, that's one of the things I'm most optimistic about his, his uh, player development is I think that when he gets the guys 
who buy into him and buy into what he's doing, they're going to be all solid passers. Now, do I think he was going to be produced at even a quarter of the level that Luka Doncic would have added in terms of playmaking? No. But I'm also not worried about him going out there and being a real detriment to an efficient offense in terms of just his decision-making. I don't know that his skill set is optimized to be a hyper-efficient big man at the NBA level, unless that shot translates. But I'm not worried about him going out there and being an empty stats guy. I'm not either. I think he's, and part of that is we've heard such good things about his work ethic and energy as a player and mindset and motor and those sorts of things. And those aren't necessarily words you hear associated with like selfish scorer types. Just the, the no. that kind of intangibles you don't really have, see associated with. Uh, I'm blanking to think of like a like an Al Jefferson or whatever, where it's like, hey, I'm going to get the ball in the post. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to score. That's not a that's yeah. Not that's fair. Um, no, I don't think so. He had he had a good number of uh, of highlight kind of passes where he finally started to see the defense moving at him and could find uh, cutters or or you know this sliding past uh, Wendell Carter. Uh, he's not Mo Bamba. I'm not worried about his offensive vision to that level. Now that we know how the draft shook out, what the roster looks like, I know leading into the draft, we were all kind of hopeful that Luka Doncic would be the pick. We have spent a lot of time speculating about restricted free agents like Lynn Capella and Aaron Gordon and Julius Randle and Jabari Parker. All these forwards that the Kings no longer need with Marvin Bagley here. What is your offseason plan? What do you want the Kings to get? Are there specific names out there you like? Are there holes they must plug in free agency? What do you think the Kings should do here now that uh, Bagley's on the team? Well, they absolutely need to add another wing, and they need to add a wing who can shoot. Mario Zonia is the obvious name here. Everybody's been connecting him to the Kings since February. Um, I imagine that he won't be crazy expensive, or a team would have tried to actually convince Orlando to uh, pick up his option and trade him to them. Um, but I, I, the pickings for wings are a lot scarier to me than the selections of, of you know, an Aaron Gordon, Clint Capella. They don't make sense anymore now that the Kings have gone all in on on taking their highest draft pick in 20 years on a center. Um, Aaron Gordon, Marvin Bagley, and um, Harry Giles would just be negative spacing. I mean, Aaron Gordon got better as a shooter this year, but that's not going to provide the spacing that De'Aaron Fox needs to move. So they absolutely have to add a wing. Maybe that's Mario Hazonia. Uh, maybe that's Rodney Hood. We know Dave Yeager liked Hood. That's kind of scary to me to think that, you know, Hood's had his major problems. Utah basically traded him just to get him out of there. Mm. And he was a disaster in the playoffs, both on and off the court. But Dave Yeager has liked him in the past, and you know what? If they can get him cheap, and I mean, you know, not ten million dollars a year cheap. It's got to be cheaper than that. It wouldn't be the worst gamble they've ever made. Um, Jabari Parker doesn't make sense to me anymore. I think he's more of a power forward. I'm a little worried about, you know, <laughs> adding Jabari Parker into a lineup that might already struggle with um, uh, switches and containing guys in space. Marvin Bagley certainly isn't good at that. We don't know how Harry Giles is at that. Jabari Parker was okay in the playoffs. I think he did better against the Celtics than I expected in terms of his defense, but he's still not anybody I'm confident in 
spending all that money, and I think he's a little positionally redundant with the big guys. So kind of slim pickings. I mean, not even Mario Hazoni is a, a great fit. So uh, if the Kings are banking on being able to find their wing in free agency, I hope that they're really higher on one of these guys than we are. Now, what if I told you that there was a wing out there kind of flying under the radar, averaged 19 points last year, 5.2 assists, 5.1 rebounds, <laughs> shot 40% from three, uh, had a career never year, honestly. Go. I'm just saying, what if a guy, did I mention he was 28 years old? Did I mention he has ties to the Sacramento area? I'm just saying, what if what if a player like that was out there? Would that interest you at all? Yes. If the Kings come out of this signing Tyreek Evans, I will be optimistic about that signing. Uh, that said, I have to remind you that this was a major year for Tyreek to put it up or shut it. Are you really confident that that 40% three-point stroke is really going to move the needle on a team that needs spacing? Absolutely cannot have another non-great shooter. Did I mention Is that was, really moving the needle for you? Did I mention he was a pretty good defender, too? Like, he can really hold his own up there. <laughs> yes. Yes, he can. Um, you already got me to admit that I'll be optimistic. I'm not going to go any further than that. I'm, I, I'm half kidding because the Kings... Well, I I don't know if the Kings would be interested in Tyreek, but I highly doubt Tyreek would be interested in the Kings after they kind of yeah. sent him packing twice. He is my I don't, I don't know, man. He if, he if they go all in and they're like, look, you're our dude. We'll pay you. We'll be that team that pays you. I don't know why not. It would be a hell of a story if he came back and was actually a good player. I must say, for as much as I joke about Tyreek Evans, when they traded for him back, and you saw his people that we like Lamont, his old trainer, and those guys on Twitter, like, hey, we're coming back to Sacktown. I was like, I had got some warm, fuzzy feelings inside, like, oh, yeah, they're bringing the band back together to the good old days. <laughs> but I, I don't know if that'll happen again. But again, you know, highest no, bidder. I'm sure Tyreek so. wants to cash, cash in this year because this is probably his last opportunity to do so coming off the year that he had. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he does go to the highest bidder. I also wouldn't be surprised if that's not Memphis. So if he's looking for a new team, um, he is my favorite wing that's kind of. Uh, out there and available, but I, that, that was just, I was indulging myself there by bringing him up. Uh, you know what? I let myself pretend. I let myself pretend that maybe the Kings could trade for McHale Bridges today. So he did I'm not going to be mad at that you. That was for... really sad, by the way. That was like the saddest. Oh, that was draft. heartbreaking. You know what? I'm excited for Phoenix because that is a hell of a young foundation, but Oh my God, Philadelphia. That was just cold blooded. We're going to wrap up the podcast in a second. And I, don't want to harp on the Donchard stuff all the time for the end of eternity. However, this is something we're going to be monitoring very closely for like the next decade is Donchard versus Bagley. It's going to be unavoidable. We're going to be talking about it forever. Yeah. But I will say one more well, thing. Go ahead. We're also going to be talking about DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley four times a year. That too. I mean, yeah. The yeah one, of, one of Marvin Bagley or Harry Giles or whichever one of Willie Colley Steiner Scalab is here, stay around. They're going to have to play. The hundred eight four times a year. And I mean, I know Marvin Bagley thinks he should have gone number one, but that's just not, I, I don't think that's going to be pretty. None of those guys are going to be able to, well, maybe Giles can if his strength is real, but that's just going to be a hard check that is, in, uh, for, a, for a divisional rival. It's going to be fun watching these teams all kind of come up together, which is kind of what I was getting yeah. at with, with my last Donchage point, And that is, it's a real bummer to see a team like Dallas who was competitive uh, longer than the Kings were. They both kind of came up at the same time. Dallas rode out their competitive 
whatever decade and eventually won an NBA championship, which the Kings couldn't do. And now they both kind of went down. The Kings have been down a lot longer. And now Dallas is already past the Kings in terms of like rebuilding to this, to this new, you know, next wave of success. And that's, that's pretty frustrating. And it's going to be really hard for me to, uh, to handle if Doncic is the guy that, that we all kind of thought he was going to be is seeing Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. Cruise right past the Kings in this rebuild attempt. But anyway, Bagley's here, and there's there's plenty of reason to be excited. You laid out all those reasons. I think Bagley's going to be a good player, um, and I, you know, this is no fault of Bagley. It sucks that he's sort of caught in the crossfire here between how upset yeah. the fan base is when you guys. I mean, we really should be excited that this great player, who the Kings would not have had an opportunity to draft if they didn't get uh, a ton of lottery luck. It really is a blessing that Bagley's here in the big picture. Yeah, but um, it is. It's it's going to be tough watching that that Doncic stuff in Dallas uh, develop over the next Well, if there's, if there's one thing we know about the fandom, it's that they're going to love Marvin Bagley. He's the kind of guy that this fandom is absolutely going to fall in love with. He's going to play hard on both ends, and he is an absolute electric, moving, just physical player. And Kings fans are going to love that. Um, it's We're never going to forgive the front office if uh, Luka Doncic ends up being a better player. But I think the fandom will will love Harry will love, love the Harry Giles Marvin Bagley tandem for what it is. All right, Bryant, we're gonna wrap up here on behalf of myself and uh, the rest of the SCR staff, and I'm sure all the readers out there. Um, I wanted to thank you for not only being on the podcast a few times here leading up to the draft, but your your scouting reports and work for STR and all your draft coverage is stuff that could be. Could be hosted somewhere else, a bigger outlet or whatever, um, if that's the way you went. So I appreciate having you on board, both there and the podcast. And I'm sure we'll talk to you before next year, but I look forward to seeing what you got for us next next draft season. I appreciate it, man. This is the, the best uh, best, new, best Sacramento Kings coverage in the, in the area. So um, it's absolutely a joy to write for and uh, love all my co-writers. So another draft season in the book. One of the craziest ones we've definitely seen in the last couple of years, and that's saying something. But uh, plenty of reasons to be optimistic going forward, even if they're not quite as numerous as we would have liked. I was going to add on that positive note, and then I remembered that you actually have a very light schedule next year because the Kings don't have a pick. So you, you actually get <laughs> yeah. the They'll probably trade for a first-round pick on uh, draft day and mess that all up anyway. Maybe. We'll see. All right, Brian. Yeah. Have a good night. You too. to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. 
I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.